What's up? Welcome to Don't Cut Me Off Podcast. I am G. Weave. Back at it again. It's Thursday. And you know I'm bringing that heat. So sit back, relax. Let's get ready to have a conversation. conversation about team building and building a championship team as we start to see these playoffs man it's very obvious that it's only a a few teams that can win a championship and I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's really only four teams that can win this championship and uh, I would say that those teams are the Bucks Miami um, Phoenix and I'll take that back maybe five either Memphis or Golden State because that's a good series so the winner of that team as well is, is more than capable and I'm a, it's, it's a reason why they are able to win championships and it's all about how their team is their team is actually built from top to bottom because you're not winning a championship without having good team depth. If you don't have that, unless you have out-of-world out, out shooting, you're not going to win a championship or unless players come out of nowhere um, that you didn't expect to play at a high level. But I'm always in the mind that if you're in the NBA, you should be ready to go at all times. It's an exclusive league. Not that many people get in there. So if you're in the NBA, you should be able at a drop of a dime. If they need you to score buckets, you should be able to score buckets. And if you can't, then you shouldn't be on that team. And it's something going on with how you evaluating players. Because players shouldn't be sitting on the bench and not being able to score when asked to come in. You shouldn't have to cut your your bench down to only seven players when you have a 12-man or to 15-man roster. To me, that is just ridiculous. 1 through 12, 1 through 15 should be able to go at any time. It should never be where you got to wear down seven people. And then the only way those other players get playing time is when it's uh, what I call garbage time. And you let them get in so their family can see them on the floor. Other than that, no other time. You'll never see them playing. I, I don't understand the concept of that you pick players not to, on your team. You give them a contract not to play. I, 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 that baffles me. But anyway, I'm about to get ready to grind my gears about Ben Simmons today. Um, as you found out, Ben Simmons have to have surgery. So, again, this goes back to that concept of thinking that this man is faking about his injury. He done went to several doctors, and he has to have surgery on his back. Got to elevate something going on with his disc, some type of surgery that will relieve the pain. But here, the whole time is he's just not trying to play. And in actuality, he was really injured. That's why at times you just need to pump your brakes 
You don't need to be coming at people when it comes to their health physically and their mental health. Leave that part alone. You could talk about his game, but if he really going through something, he going through something. Again, as a parent or as a loved one, you don't want to hear anybody that's talking about your family. Anybody. Any of these people out here on these talk shows that's talking, that if somebody was coming at their family or making accusations to their family, you don't want to come at it. Well, people say, well, hey, man, this he's a sports figure. It's open season. I get all that. But he hasn't been playing basketball. So at this moment, he's a civilian. He's not uh, actively hooping. He's on in-street clothes, trying to get his health together so he can get onto the floor and live up to that investment. Because every single player in the league is an investment. Anytime you're making that type of money, I don't care if it's a million dollars. That's an investment. And I want I want to get back from my investment. I want I want to see the uh, residuals from my investment. But again, that that just it just it just shows that when you out here just talking on these shows and making the assumption that hey man this guy well if he's not healthy he don't need to be on the sideline why not he's part of the team he's 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 not uh, doing anything wrong. I, that's how I felt about Zion, who's trying to get back healthy, you know, and um, he's being at the games and showing people that, hey, man, I'm, I am working on getting back onto the floor, you know. But, again, I think a lot of the players have to understand you got to be mentally tough because you're going to have people coming at you at all angles. Regular talk show people, NBA, ex-NBA people, hell, even active NBA players. Hate is hate. And people always find the time to hate because that's the easiest thing to do. It's the easiest, the easiest thing to do is hate. You know? You have to be able to elevate at times, too. I don't have a personal issue with uh, no player to the point where I'm going to just be so harsh on them. You know, you can't critique what they're doing on the floor because that's their profession. And I think they understand that. I think when you take it to another level where you just show disdain and just pure D hate towards a person. And there's a couple people out here that do that. They just get a thrill out of doing that. And sometimes I just think it's for talk. It's for show. It's for no other, other reason. It's for show. So, yeah, that, I mean, so that, that, shoot, that news is not. Shocking that Ben is um, having to have surgery. It's going to be three, four month recovery. He should be ready to go when the season start. You know, I just want to see this man back on the floor, see what he can do, and then make my judgment based off what I see. I'm not, I'm not going off nothing else. So, yeah, that that's not surprising. And again, what I'll tell people that are always quick to jump the gun. Because it sounds good. Shut the hell up. Let's get this party started. So, today I'm going to talk about team building for a championship. Because we're looking at these teams now. Some of these teams are outmanned. And when you look at the Philadelphia and... 
Miami Heat series. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I got I got that one. I think I got that wrong. That's not the. Uh... Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Philadelphia Miami Heat series. I'm tripping. It's obvious that uh, Philadelphia. Um, is not equipped, and they're not deep enough to beat um, Miami Heat. Now, if you was to tell me that Miami was deeper, I would tell you, you're right. When you look at the box score on the Miami Heat, and you look at the scoring, First of all, we're going to take 76ers. They got Tobias Harris, 21 points. You got Tyrese Maxey, 34 points, but he played 43 minutes. James Harden, 20 points. That's not acceptable. And from the bench, they get nothing else. The best they get is uh, Rukan Kormaz. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. But you're... Your best players are giving you 20. Maxi did his job at 34. Tobias giving you 21. Now, that's around what Tobias ha- averaged in the regular season. You don't have anything else on this bench that show you that you're going to beat Miami, who's one of the deepest teams, the way they're built. You have DeAndre Jordan, who does not give you nothing. Nothing. He's just there. Danny Green, he is there. You are paid to give me at least 18 a game. Three points, that ain't going to get it. Embiid is a guaranteed bucket. That's 30-something points. It shows you if they have Embiid, they're going to win. But if they don't have Embiid, but you can't get Harden, they lost by... 16. So if Harden can give you 35 and Danny can give you at least 14, 15, they win the game. You're pay- you're paying the players for really the playoffs. Not the regular season. You're paying these players for the play- if you're making 10 million dollars or more, you're being paid to perform in the playoffs. No question. And when you're underperforming in the playoffs, it's got something to do the way the way with this with the team is built. Danny Green is pretty much done. You're not going to get the level of contribution from him anymore. You can tell. He has to get he can't take anyone off the dribble. He has to get an open shot. Tobias Harris Though he can give you a consistent 18 points a game, he must elevate and score eight to nine more buckets. He has to average eight more points than what he averages in the regular season. James Harden has to average more than what he averaged in the regular season. James Harden is averaging 21. He needs to average damn near 29 or 30 as hell, sometimes 40. He is an explosive scorer. 
as a coach, you have to figure out a way to get James Harden going when you're playing against a good defensive team. Philly, if 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 Embiid is not back by the next game, Philly is going to get swept. Because they need all of Embiid. It's just it's just a fact. They need Embiid. Because unfortunately, James Harden, who's supposed to be one of the best players in the league, who has in this league averaged 35 points, 30 points in his career, triple doubles almost. He's not performing. He's underperforming. When Embiid went down, Harden was supposed to be the next up to take on the mantle to lead this team. And it's this is a year after year after year situation to the point where we have to view it as this is who James Harden really is. He's already locked. His, his contract is set. But as a franchise, I'm not talking about nobody money. But you have to think real long and hard. Do you want to invest in something that you're not going to get any residual from? Because I'm taking these players uh, and I'm looking at these players as investments. And I'm looking at it as a person. When you invest, you're looking to get something out of your investment. In any situation, when you're investing and you're losing on your investment, it's not a good investment. And if you can't get good return on your investment, it's no need. To keep that investment, you usually will get rid of the investment. Now, someone else may feel like that's a good buy, and they'll purchase it and, and, and try to see if they can recoup something out of it. But as it stands, James Harden is not a good investment because he's not going to give you good returns. You got the young man, Maxi that's stepping up. He's doubling what he was averaging. And in the playoffs is what is is where it's needed, and he's doing that. DeAndre Jordan, I don't expect nothing but six points from him. But you can you at least defend? Why is he in the game if he can't have an impact? He's in the game because the Philadelphia 76ers is not a well-built team. Paul Reed. Matassi Tubli, I'm saying his name wrong, probably George Nang, Charles Bassey, Isaiah Joe, Shake Middleton, Jaden Springer. Who are these people? This is your bench. Who are these people? Philadelphia is not built to win a championship. They have no depth, none, on their bench. And when you're built like that, you're guaranteed not going to win when you go up against a team that's built better from top to bottom. Now, when you look at the Miami Heat, totally different way they're built. Jimmy Butler, 22, 12 assists. Bam, 23, 9 rebounds. Gabe Vincent, don't know who that is, 7 points. Max Shrugs, don't know who it is, nine points. Tyler Hero, sixth man of the year, 18 points. Victor Aladipo, 19 points. C C Caleb Martin, six points. Dwayne Deadman, seven points. And somebody in there got a little junk time, had two points in a minute. Omar Yesterman, Yesterman, something like that. 
But the point I'm making, I'm looking at it. Damn. You got from your bench. 37 points. That's what I'm talking about. 37 points. Duncan Robinson didn't even get no playing time, so I don't know if he's hurt or not. But Victor, and Duncan is getting paid a lot of money, but this team is built well for what they need. They got Jimmy Butler, you got Bam, you got B.J. Tucker, that's a defender that can hit open shots. You got the scoring from Tyler and, Vic, and Victor Elodipo. These guys are well-paid players, especially Victor. Tyler's about to be well-played. But they're built for the playoffs, and they're built to win a championship because they defend and they have great outside shooting. And they got great bench play. When you're building a championship, the most important piece is your bench play and your second star player. If, you have, if you're fortunate enough to have a big three, that's excellent. But it's your bench play and that second star player, just in case your star player goes down, you have somebody that's able, able to elevate and do you have somebody off that bench that's able to step up and make up from where, you, from where you're losing it from your star player that's hurt? Maybe even two or three players that can combine to score what the star player would score to help you still win. <laughs> we seen it. When Boston, when uh, Marcus Smart went down, they already penciled in the Bucks to win. And what happened? Those shots that they wasn't hitting the first game, they were hitting. And unfortunately, the Bucks played the same way. Let them shoot. And they paid the price. But moving on, Miami, the way they're built, they're be built to win a championship. Now, Philly, they're not really built to win a championship, but they can beat Miami if they have a healthy Embiid because Embiid disrupts so many things and he does so much stuff. Embiid can drop 50. Embiid is a great investment. The only thing about Embiid is that he gets injured. But he every time he's on the floor, the investment, it is it is non it's not it's not even deniable. The man freaking gives you whatever you need and in, in when you're investing in him. He gives you everything. He brings everything to the table. I love Joel Embiid. I love Joel Embiid. But again, they're there to win. They're built to win a championship. Now, we look at the Dallas series, and they're taking on the Phoenix Suns. Dallas, most definitely. They don't even have Tim Hardaway Jr., but they're outmatched. It's not even, it's not even a question. They are definitely outmatched. Now, let's ring off these scores because Jason Jason Kidd is sounding off and saying that. Luca is doing his part, which Luca is, 35 points, uh, seven assists, five rebounds. He's saying his, the rest of the team needs to do better. Now, it's all about however you want to motivate your team, but I, I will agree with this. Again, I, like I always say, these you, 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 are, you are in the NBA because you are a great player. 
You made the team because you are a great player. You are paid to perform. You are not paid to underperform. Luka is a great investment. You get everything out of him that you put into him every single game. He is a cornerstone piece, okay? Now, you can overlook the fact that they got rid of um, the guy that they sent over to the Washington Wizards. Kristoff uh, something. The tall, the tall uh, Russian guy. Now, would he help at this moment? I don't know. But they got rid of him. Perzingis, they got rid of him. Perzingis was giving you at least 20. Now, think about having Perzingis 20 points right now and is rebounding. It's a possibility that uh, Dallas can get a game. But they get rid of Perzingis because him and Luka couldn't be on the same page. And Perzingis couldn't understand that Luka is the star. You have to be Robin. He's Batman. There is no Superman in Batman in this situation. It's just not. Luca is Superman and you have to be Robin or Green Lantern. Not even Green Lantern who's green. Who, who, any hero with no superpower. <laughs> Spider-Man, whatever. But Kristoff, um, you know, he can't accept that. You know, he's still living in the past when he was dominant with the New York and he was healthy, but he wanted to get his way out of there. You got what you asked for. You had a couple injuries, and you haven't been the same. But back to the Mavericks, they're not built to win a championship. You got Reggie Bullock. He's not a starting player in the league. Dorian Finney-Smith, not a starting player in the league. Dwight Powell, again, not a starting player in the league. Jalen Brunson, not a starting player in the league. Spencer Dimwitty, he is a starting player in the league. Max Kieber. Not a starting player. Davis Burton. So, right out the gate, Josh Green, Sterling Brown, Trey Burks, Marquise Chris. Man, right out the gate, everybody's scoring, but nobody's is elevating. But right out the gate, he doesn't have a legit starting five around him. But I, my thing is, the GM, the coach, y'all put the team together. Y'all had to know that already. So that's why I say with Jason Kidd saying the things that he said, you know that you have a, a bunch of second-tier, third-tier players around him. You don't have a legit starting five. You're missing a legit starter in Tim Hardaway Jr. You have a legit starter in, in Spencer Dimwitty. So if you look at the guard play, for sure, Spencer, uh, Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., okay, them are legit starters. Now, from there, you have to build around that. Now, if you still have Prozingis, okay, that's a fourth starter. There's no way you're going to come with a team with, that has only two starters against a team that has that goes at least 10 to 12 deep the way that they're built. So, for Jason Kidd to keep saying this, you know that's not helping the confidence of your team. You can say it. It's understandable, but we all can see it. The thing, the point that I'm making is the players that you're getting, you're not getting the type of players that's capable of doing that. And you're able to see these players because you watch them in practice. You know what you have. 
you have to do better at either one, drafting and develop, or two, getting good free agents in there. Getting solid second-level free agents because it's second-tier players that can actually go. You know, at this moment, somebody like a Jordan Poole would be perfect over there with Dallas. Tyler Hero would be perfect over there in Dallas. Those are the type of players you guys need to go after. He needs a wingman. And until you do that, you can talk about everybody else needing to step up all you want to. If they haven't been doing it in the regular season, they're not going to do it in the playoffs, which is a lot more pressure. So Dallas is pretty much dead in the water. And it's all due to the way that they're built. Now you look at the Suns. It's such it's such a leveled team. Mikhail Bridges, runner-up and defensive player of the year. He can give you 20 at any point in time. But he shuts down your best player, Jay Crowder. Known playoff contributor. DeAndre Ayton, solid big man, defender. He can give you 20 at any time. These are investments that 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 you you get you get a return on. Devin Booker, nothing to be said. Point God, Paul, nothing to be said. Biombo, known defender contributor. Cameron Johnson, he's known, like I said, another player. That steps up in the playoffs and is capable of stepping up. Cameron Payne, defender, scorer. They're deep. Tory Craig didn't get any time, but he can defend. He can score 20 at any time. They're built well. They're built that if they need some punch or some boost, they got a bench that can do that to go along with their starting five. That's why they were in the championship last week, last year. They're well built. And they have a well a uh, 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 well-rounded uh, floor, floor floor general, a leader in Chris Paul and a superstar shooter in Devin Booker and a great wingman in, in Mikhail Bridges. And Jay Crowder, he's like a, he's like a Dr- Draymond Green. You know, he's your Draymond Green. He's your, he's your uh, Bobby Portis type player. He's your C.J. Tucker, P.J. Tucker player. So every team, you got to have that, that defender that, and, 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 and that person that can hit the knock open open shot. And you got to have that bench. Phoenix is, again, going to sweep Dallas. But, this, this, I mean, on paper, Dallas is overmatched. They don't have a, a, even a starting five on the floor. You have to be built, built, built from the top to the bottom. And you got to have people that can contribute. Your investment has to contribute. Or it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. You got to have a team that can compete for a championship when you get into the playoffs. Can't get there with your B squad. Have a couple A players and the rest B. It's not going to work. What what championship team? Name me a championship team that has has won a championship with a bunch of B players. And when I say B players, I mean players that that can't that are not true starters. Usually, your bench players that's coming off the bench scoring well, they could possibly start. I'm talking about players in no other circumstances would not start on any other team. That's what I'm talking about. When you look at when you look at the the teams that I name that could win championships, when you look at the Bucks, when you look at their rosters, 
Look at the Bucks, how they're built. They're built, have a superstar player. They have one player that's out. They have Drew Holiday. You got Brooke Lopez, Bobby Porters. And we'll just say if, if, if Middleton was there. They have a legit starting five. So when you have they starting five, usually they starting five is Giannis, is Middleton, is Lopez, is Drew, and then it, it goes back and forth. It's either Grayson or it's either Wesley that starts at the two. But then at they bench, uh, if it's if it's Grayson starting instead of Wesley, your bench is uh, Wesley Matthews, Pat Connaughton, Javon Carter, Serge Ibaka, um, uh, and 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 then Hill. If he's healthy, that's your starter. They have a bench, Pat Connaughton. They have a bench, and they have a, a legit starting five. And they're all these guys. Most of these guys can shoot. Giannis is pretty much set up like how Dwight Howard was set up in Orlando. Big man that's dominant can't be stopped with shooters around him, so you can't collapse the pocket. If you dare collapse the pocket, you will pay. The difference is Giannis can shoot a three. Giannis can hit the mid-range, and Giannis can do about anything else. Dwight was really only good for inside domination. He didn't have no signature move. But he was a hell of a defender, athletic. Boston, the way they're built. And though I feel that Boston is not built better than the Bucks, they're still a team that's well-built. You have the pieces that you need. You have legit starters. You got Jason Tatum. You have Jalen Brown. You have Marcus Smart. You have Al Horford. Though Al is not the same player, he is a seasoned veteran who has been an all-star in the league. And then you have the young man in Robert Williams, who's a defender who can score a little bit. Not a great scorer, more known for defending. And then when you look at their bench play, they do got good bench play. They got Grant Williams. He plays well. Derek White plays well. They got the young man they picked up, Pritchard, plays well. These guys hit knockdown shots. You can rely on them. They're built around defense and outside shooting. They're well built. That that type of formula sometimes can cost you to lose games, but when you're hitting, you can blow someone out the water. And it was evident when Boston blew out pretty much the Bucks because they outshot them from the outside. It was evident. So what is what it wasn't even a question. When you look at the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies, same situation. Teams are well-built. You're not winning a championship unless you're well-built. You look at the Warriors. I mean, it's undeniable how well-built they are. Andrew Wiggins, wingman that can score 20 or more. Great investment. Draymond Green, great investment. Defender. He can score 13, 14, defend, take away the best player on the other team. Kevon Looney, he comes in, bench player, but it gives you great production on the defensive end. Jordan Poole, 
nothing to be said. Outstanding, definitely a starter in the league, but you got a person like that coming off your bench. That's almost like your, that's an upgraded Vinnie Johnson. He's an upgraded Vinnie Johnson. If y'all don't know who Vinnie Johnson is, he was called the microwave off the Detroit Pistons. He's an upgraded Ben Gordon. Ben Gordon was a star coming off the bench, averaging 20, 29 points. A Jamal Crawford-esque type, but he's better than that. Jordan Poole is outstanding. Then you have Clay, nothing to be said. Steph, nothing to be said. You even have an ex-All-Star player in Otto Porter. You still have a veteran in Andre Iguodala. Uh, a nasty defender in Gary Payton II, though he has been hurt. But their team is deep. Don't have a lot of height, but they can kill you as a collective on the defensive end, and they can kill you on the outside. This is a team that can win a championship. He, they're one of the teams that can win the way that they're built. Beautiful job at building. Great coaching as well. Plays a part. Uh, it's nothing that you can say about the Warriors. Poole can start, be a starter in the league. <laughs> they good. You can get 25 off the bench with the starting five that they already have. Listen, I'm just keeping it 100. They can win a championship. Memphis Grizzlies, the way they're put together, outstanding. Dylan Brooks, he's a starter. He can he can score. Jaron Jackson Jr., starter, defender, rebounder. Desmond Bain, defender, scorer, your superstar. John Morant. Kyle Anderson. Come on. These guys are built very well. Very well. They're built to win a championship. You have all the pieces there. Everybody knows that. Because you're watching it. You're watching it and you're seeing how close these games are with Memphis going against Golden State because they're pretty much matched. Well, they're not matched to the point where they're outgunned because of the shooting prowess of the Golden State Warriors with the with Poole, Clay, and um, Curry. Uh, most definitely, Memphis has nothing like that on their side. It's not even close. Not even close. But they are still a formidable team. Still a formidable team. Look at the game that they lost by one point. Jaron Jackson had 33 points, 10 rebounds. John Moran had 34 points. Dylan Brooks, starter, had eight. But he contributed in other ways. Xavier Tillman came in, didn't do too much. Desmond Bain, usually he plays well. He averaged double digits. But, you know, he gives you defender, and he gives you knockdown jumpers, threes. Brandon Clark, Deontay Milton, gave you 12 and 14. These are bench players, okay? The score was 117-116. Memphis is built on defense, and they also can hit the open shot, 
and they have explosiveness in John Morant. And they only lost by one point. Then when they played the next game, the Grizzly won by five. And the results are different. And this time around, John Morant took his game to another level and scored 47. Desmond Bain only gave you five. Jaron Jackson only gave you 12. Dylan Brooks didn't give you anything. Xavier Tillman gave you seven. But those same two players I talked about before stepped up again. They come off the bench. Zaire Williams, Brandon Clark. And they got five points out of Kyle Anderson. But my thing is, it's your bench play that dictates you winning a championship. And it's the, and, and as, as a GM and an owner and, a, and, uh, uh, and as a coach, you have to be able to spot talent and you got to be able to know your team to put the right players around your best player. Not only that, put a, a legit starting five on the floor and get a legit bench behind your starting five to where you can sub players out and you won't have a fall off. That's why I said if you're in the league, first of all, if you're in the league, you're always, I'm always say this, you're a great player. It's a fraternity. You will kill any average player out here. But you are in the league to perform. You're not in the league to sit. And that's where I don't understand why is my investment, why I'm not receiving anything from it. When you have a team, everyone should be able to contribute. When I call upon you, you should be able to give me a bucket. There should be no fear in your eyes. You made it to the league just like everybody else that's in the league playing. You shouldn't be scared of no man. You should have a competitive fire to when you get off that bench, get in there, play within the system, and make open shots when need be. Step up. But those four to five teams, the reason that they're the favorites to win championships is because of the way that they're built from top to bottom. And that goes not only through basketball, that goes through football, that goes through baseball, that goes through hockey, soccer, any team sport. You put the best players on the floor, on the field, in the pool. In the ring. When it comes to hockey, the hockey ring. You put the best players on the floor. And in the ring. If you if you don't do that, then you're not doing your job as a coach and a GM. And as an older and the one the one that's doling out the money for these investments, and you're getting the money from awful advertising and T V deals, but Point being is, I'm paying you to perform in the biggest moments. I'm not paying you to perform in regular moments. It's the big, biggest moments that count. You're paid to win championships, not to just play the game and be mediocre in championship moments. So GMs and coaches... When you be in these predicament where you're looking out gunned, it's due to how you built the team in the offseason. Doc Rivers is a championship coach, but yet he only has one championship. And he's had great players. And he's lost his job based off sometimes not being able to get it done. But he's been able to get more jobs. And I like I like Doc Rivers, but 
you want to sit there and hold players accountable and sit there and throw players under the bus or talk negative about a player and what the player is and not is doing and what they're not doing, then you also have to be held accountable of your coaching. Are you able to coach up your players? As a coach, you're not there to bring down your players. You're not there to lower their morale. You're there to uplift your players to get them to compete at a level in which you invest in, that you invested them to do. You invested in them to be able to compete and to give you your residuals from what you put into him. If you're not getting that, then you're not doing your job. Everyone plays a part. The coach is there to be a leader, to guide, to motivate, and to also pull out the potential. For the reason, that's the reason why you signed them, to get the potential out of them. If you're not doing that, then you're not doing your job. Especially when it comes to evaluating. Same with the GM. You're drafting these players. You're obviously seeing something that this person that can contribute. So when you have to make sure you're getting a coach that can get that 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 potential that you see out of them and put them in a system that can work for them. My whole thing is every player that you draft, look what kind of system they're coming from. See why they're successful. If you try to put them in a system that they've never been in because you want to be stubborn, you create a system that works for everybody. And yeah, it's maybe easier said than done because you can have a talent that can debunk a system. They're just great. But every player is not like that. Some players are good in systems. So you have to put in a plan and, and, and put in a situation when these particular players, players have an opportunity, you put them in a system that they're used to succeeding in. Everyone can't elevate above the system. Sometimes people are system players. But it's your job as a GM to understand that and to know that. So everyone should be held accountable. The owner has to be held accountable because he hires the GM, like I said. But when your team building it, it, it really is a four horsemen type of situation. The owner, the GM, the coach, the player. Everyone works hand in hand when building a championship. And when you don't do it that way, you see the teams like a Dallas. You see the teams like Atlanta. You see the teams like um, Chicago. You got to go out and get players. You got to spend and bring players in. You got to have at least a starting you got to have at least two star players, and you got to have above average players uh, in your starting lineup and on that bench. And you got to have scoring because you can have all that. You got to be able to hit open shots, got to be able to score, and got to be able to defend because you can't shoot your way to a championship. You can show shoot your way out of one, though. The defense does win championships. That I do agree with when it comes to Perkins when he says that. But I don't agree when he say. Defense can win championships, but offense wins championships too. It's not football. Because if you're scoring defense but you're not scoring, you can't win. So it goes both ways. You need both. You need both scoring and defense. In football, you can get away with that. You 
Baltimore Ravens defense, all you got to do is score 12 points because the Ravens ain't going to allow you to get six, then yeah. Then that, that, that concept works. In basketball, not so much. You need both. So if you're a good defensive, offensive team going against an offensive team, then you're going to, nine times out of ten, you're going to win. But if you're just a good defensive team but a poor offensive team, you're not going to win. A better offense would, would kill a, a defense anytime. And a poor offense will shoot you out of a shoot you out of a game. So you'll have no opportunity to beat that defense, that offense that you're taking on. Because they're good enough to score more than you. So the analogy of having a good defense wins championship, true. No, a good defense and offense win championship. In football, a good defense can win a championship. So team building is important. But moving on and getting away from sports a little bit and talk about the Dave Chappelle situation. Well, how, how ironic that the smack heard around the world, which is someone going on a stage and attacking a comedian, whether it's Will or whatever, that has never been done. The comedian has always had the airspace to be able to do their job. It's sense of humor. It's fun. It's always been like that where they get into the crowd and talk you know, uh, jokes and say jokes and say funny things, but it's that's part of comedy. It's always been that way. No one has ever been attacked for that. It's all fun and games. And when someone comes to a comedy show, you expect that. Comedy is like a healing for for the soul, especially when you're sad. And laughter is very healing. And sometimes it can be at your expense. But now this is what it's going to be. You know, Dave Chappelle has the freedom of speech. You insult a certain race or gender. No one is racist against anybody. No matter your color, your creed. Is it in the world? Of course. In my opinion, I don't care about transgender. I don't care about hetero. I don't care about gay, bi. Whatever you is, do you. But at the same time, when as a comedian, comedian hits on everybody. No one is spared. It's not to be putting you down or talking about you. They talk about straight people just like they talk about gay people. They talk about black people just like they talk about white people. If we get into the point where we're such a sensitive a society and you can't even joke, everything is cancel, 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 then what type of society do we live in? It's not a free society. It's still a society in which it's almost like dictatorship. You say this, you're going to pay the price. So you have so much hatred for a person that you want to get on stage and try to harm him because of his views or because he says something that you don't like. How uneducated are we as a nation that you're not in the state of mind to understand or tell the difference between someone that's joking and someone that's serious. Even if an imper- person is apologizing. It just baffles me. That a man would come up there with a gun and a knife. He was trying to hurt him. Possibly kill him. And for what? Will Smith has started something that we're probably going to see more and more. And... 
again, you don't know if you're dealing with somebody that has mental issues and they make up their mind that they want to hurt somebody and they're going to come there with the mission to do that. It's a scary situation for comedians right now. Now they have to beef up security. Now you got to put an extra effort in to make sure weapons are not brought in. Now you got to make sure that you have so much security going back to your vehicle. It didn't have to be like that. The comedian used to be able to interact with the crowd. Now you're at a point where you probably want to be 15, 20 feet away. Can't get down there and interact. Because you don't know if you're dealing with somebody that's going to snap. Or somebody there to hurt you. It's messed up, man. It's crazy. And it's funny. It's funny, but it's not funny. That, you know, you got Chris Rock came up there. You know, is that Will? <laughs> is, was that Will? Shit. But he can joke about that now. And and Dave Chappelle can joke about it now. But that was a scary moment. And God bless Jamie Foxx and Buster Rhymes. H-Town stumped him. He was supposed to get stumped like that. And the man lucky that security got in there and helped him because he got, got probably dang near got beat to death. Because at that point, you can defend yourself. You have a right to defend yourself. Your life is on the line. And it's a blessing that Dave, you know, such a great human being, was able to recover and take it in stride. But this is because of him having views that other communities or other people don't like. And now you're bringing out people that's going to try to harm you. It's no different from somebody stalking a celebrity because they're obsessed with them. Or blowing up a, uh abortion clinic because you don't agree with uh, people to have a right to have an abortion if they were raped and, and, and impregnated. You know, th these are tough topics, but people individually still have rights to make decisions and have a right to be a Democrat or a Republican, have a right, have a right to like rap or country. It's called you have your own preference. It's your own choice. You don't have to like what I like. You don't have to do what I do. You do you. I do me. Other than that, guys, I appreciate talking to you. Like always, as I do about this time, I show you all that love. I show you love, the appreciation. You know, my fans are up and down sometimes as far as, you know, listening. But it don't matter, man. I'm going to keep pushing through. I'm going to keep working on it and uh, keep getting better at my craft. Other than that, love and peace. I holla at you guys till the next time. G Weave out. Everything I need to be addressed. The pull ups like a FedEx truck. I can send some niggas round there right now. 1 800 call my bluff. Wake your ass up where you rest. On time like an Amazon truck. I can send some niggas round there right now. 1 800 call my bluff. Buffalo shrimp from Mahimas. Coke deals upstairs at the Ramada. The ocean from hotels was popular. And crack was a minted phenomenon. Elected presidential was on my arm. Red stripe prodders and on and on.